Hello and welcome to the Motorsport Magazine issue podcast. Uh, This is for the March 2019 issue, um, where we look behind the scenes at the work that went into putting together the month's magazine. I'm joined today by Simon Aaron, our features editor. Hello, Ian. Damon Cogman, our art director. Hello. And Rob Ladbrook, our production editor. Hello, everyone. Hello, gents. Um, Now, our magazine this month, a special one. It's our relaunch issue or refresh issue with a a bold new look, um, some some new elements, uh, some new columnists, uh, a difference of treatment of the of the pictures. Damon, let's 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 start with the cover. I mean, it's it's an exciting exciting time for us, and and the cover I think, uh, racing rebel, says it all, right? Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's a divisive character, is Lewis, but uh, you you kind of have to with Lewis's. uh, kind of character and, and his uh, reputation, you can't you can't sort of kind of skirt around it. You have to get stuck in, don't you, with the, with the images? It has to be a to, you know kind of here here we go. This is Lewis, and uh, we're trying to we're trying to convey. A, we've 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 changed. We're doing new things, and here it is. And he looks quite. I mean, the eyes the eyes have it, don't they? They're sort of staring straight. If you've got the magazine in front of you, by the way, and you're listening, it's the. Uh, it's obviously have a have a look at the cover now because you look. You, the eyes really do. I mean, look quite Mona Lisa like. They kind of follow you <laughs> around a bit, don't they? He is. Uh, he. I mean, he, he's. Uh, he's. Uh, he's, uh, he's a handsome chap. He's. Uh, he's young and exciting, and I know he. He, like I say, he's very divisive. A lot of people kind of uh, have got kind of very very strong opinions towards him, and and it's kind of like Motorsport, I guess, isn't it? It's very uh, you know very independent <laughs> yes. and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it should it should reflect that. But also, I suppose, like like to carry on the analogy, like Motorsport, he um, he he's he's a thoroughbred, right? I mean, he's five time world <laughs> champion. Is he, he ever? Is, um, he's he's one of the all time greats, and I think for a relaunched magazine, it's a uh, he's the kind of the obvious. Uh, the old obvious candidate to, to hold the cover story. Uh, let's uh, let's just dive straight into the into the magazine and just run through some of the some of the sort of changes which people will kind of uh, notice when the, when they first open up um, the contents page. We've gone from one page to two pages. Um, the the thinking here was that we would try and um, highlight the the great content we've got and that hiding it away on a single a single page sort of underplayed it slightly. And then we come to the editor's letter. And I think the only thing that um, people uh, have, have mentioned so far is the is the change in font. Um, the, the 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 font and typeface is, is slightly different. This is this is a new area for me, Damon. You better <laughs> go on talk about the differences yeah, between yeah. delirium this, and this, um, is, this is the bit where the readers all go kind of shrug and kind of go, oh god, no. Um, but in a in a very very brief nutshell, um, what we've done is we've um, gone to a justified copy which uh, neatens everything up nicely. It gives a certain um, weight and a certain strength that uh, the ragged right, check it out, uh, copy gives you. But it, um, with the with the justified copy, it allows you to kind of create a, a, a column shape, which is uh, quite uh, nice on the eye. Um, we've also got the we actually got the same font for the body copy, which is all the all the all the text copy that you can read. Uh, it's just a little bit little bit bigger, little bit just a fraction bigger. So I know that that's uh, often been a, a conversation uh, piece is uh, make the make the text bigger. So we've listened and that's what we've done, and uh, we've used the same uh, big headings uh, throughout the magazine. Uh, that you're that you're used to, but we've just we've just kind of gone a bit bigger, a bit bolder, and a bit more striking. I'd like to say as well that one of the other things people have talked about it's not just the font; it's the fact that we've now got um, graphic illustrations for all of our columnists. And Joe, you look a bit like Chris Evans, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, sir. Do you know what Andrew Frankel um, texted me to say? Um, it was a masterstroke of me having the most unflattering illustration um, because it meant that, no, no, that none of the other columnists um, could, could complain about theirs. Mm, um, but that's right, Gary Smith, who's an, uh, an illustrator, has, uh, has, has created the, um, the byline pictures for, uh, for myself on the editor's page and for, for our columnists. Um, there, is uh, a, there is a reason behind that, though, is there? Because we were going for the, in the spirit of the Bodden Jenks kind of traditional uh, caricature, caricature style, which you'll find on page 12. Um, um, the the Bodden Jenks cartoons that were done by Steady Barker. Steady Barker, that's yeah, right. Many moons sadly ago. No longer, sadly, yeah. I mean, he passed away a few years ago in ninety somethings. Yeah. 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 So these these are very much in that kind of uh, in the spirit of as it as it says in the top. There. Absolutely, I mean it's one of my favourite bits of the magazine. Anyway, that study Barker, the uh, illustration of Bodden Jenks on there. Um, so yeah, we tried to we tried to mimic it. I mean it's it's obviously it's it's got echoes of uh, of that, and certainly it's uh, it's sort of um, um, uh, ink on paper, kind of uh, quite simple, quite simple um, illustrations. Um, but t tell us what you think. Um, uh, I think the the emails we've had so far are evenly split. Um, let's put it that way. Um, Right, let's uh, let's move on. Um, I'll just pause very briefly. Actually, no, I'll come back to the um, to the to the to the to the page which has our um, the flannel panel, as we call it, which lists our um, the, the staff on on the magazine. Um, uh, let's look at matters of moment, um, which is no longer the editor's letter. It is our news and reviews section. Um, Rob, uh, you've you've kind of sweated blood on this. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks. Um, hopefully it hasn't stained the paper too much. Um, actually, I, th I think this works an awful lot better than the old style. I've always felt the old style um, news section was quite restrictive. It, you had to like uh, international news or historic news and absolutely That's nothing fair. in between. Um, so this obviously reworked matters. Um, allows us to look at an awful lot more issues spread evenly and um, bring a bit of fun into it as well. We've also got aeroplanes and we've got road cars and we've got some power boats, so it may define an opinion on one or two. But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No no one can say we uh, we haven't got the diversity. But, but, but then, I mean, all of those things were part of motorsports remit back in the 1920s. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's just it's in keeping with the magazine's traditions. I also think, I mean, having news in a monthly magazine to me has always been a complete waste of time to be honest but having something like this which is both newsy and also featurey like little featurettes i think is, is a nice blend which i think uh, suits a monthly publication uh, it's more colorful in design and language i think it's probably fair to say than the most kind of news treatment that you'll get elsewhere yeah i completely agree and i think i think um uh, as well as some of the some of the kind of news, there there is a sort of newsy element. I mean, we've got a, a piece there that I think uh, Rob actually that you worked on on the the cost of watching motorsport on TV, um, uh, and uh, but we've also got a, a sort of um, uh, curated sort of some of the little nuggets that we've noticed over the course of the month, uh, which may only be a small news in brief in in some in some mags, and we've kind of just pulled them out and kind of pulled it together into one so one sort of cohesive sort of. Uh, a uh, bit of running copy, uh, which, uh, which I think I think works really really nicely. Right, let's move on from move on from there. What have we got? Our columnists, Jenny Gow, who some of you may be familiar with from her work with the BBC, where she's a, a pit lane reporter uh, on the radio. She's going to be bringing us a mix of, of of news and and interesting points of view from uh, from from the F1 circus. And Andrew Frankel, um, as you know from uh, the road cars. 
and she, he's going to be um, he's going to be running our column diary style column rather um, uh, looking at the automotive industry plus his own historic racing um, career so uh, I'm pleased that both have agreed to, to join us and I look forward to, uh, to reading some of their columns going forward and um, please do let us know uh, what you think um, of, of their writings in this issue Damon Swooning 60s books books page yes <laughs> books yes. pages books pages oh, yes mm. well we've uh, most sports always had a long history of having a uh, uh, quite esoteric uh, sort of book reviews in, in in the magazine so uh, what this does is it allows us to kind of tell the story behind the book as well so we can go into depth a lot more i know joe you were very keen on uh, books being a integral part of the new 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 look of the new magazine so um this one's this one's you so this one <laughs> well i've uh, always felt one of the great since it's since starting on the magazine i've been just absolutely bowled over by the eclectic nature and quality of the uh, of the books that are published some of them self-published some of them published by the bigger sort of publishing houses but just showing a real depth of research and knowledge and passion um, and previously we had a single page for them and I, I just felt that we could we could do better and, and, and give these these kind of great great kind of products and, and labors of love often um, a bit more space um, that our readers can enjoy and then if they if they if they like the sound of it they can go go on and buy them but but hopefully these reviews are almost sort of um, uh, self-contained in the sense that you can you can read you can read the review and feel like you've uh, you've really got, got got an understanding of the book also I'll allow Gordon to write many more words which I know he, he loves to do so be his element um, we've got a, a, an expanded products section um, uh, Rob once again you kind of had to you put this together and I think you actually secretly really enjoyed it I, I do enjoy it because I like all these funny little things because I'm the kind of mug that will buy them <laughs> um, but you, you pretty much take your brows from anything from Formula One inspired brake clocks to the latest scale trick to Porsche design kitchen knives and even a petrol pump signed I was by Jackie say, how Stewart. Petrol, how many petrol pumps have you bought? Not by not mm -hmm. signed by Jackie Stewart. I've got a few signed by Nick Tandy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and then after pro after products we've got uh, we've got events which stays the same. Um, and we've got Racing Lives. Um, David and Sam um, Bram, this is a uh, first-person feature uh, where we look, uh, or interview rather, um, two uh, family members who have a history in, in, uh, in racing. And they look at the differences between their, their respective careers. And so David and Sam Bram kick us off. Really lovely piece, lovely kind of colour, and you can tell that the two of them uh, sort of... And oh, they also talk about the, what it's like growing up under the, under the Bram name, don't they? Which is obviously a, a sort of mixed blessing for, uh, for, for Sam in, in, in some ways. Then we get to lunch with, which is further forward in the magazine, and this is a, a purposeful move, really, to bring lunch with, which I think is one of our calling cards, if you like, and bring it right to the to the forefront of, of who we are and what we're about. Um, and we kick it off with uh, Stefan Rattel, which Rob, you you interviewed him um, in a rather swanky surroundings, uh, and it's a, it's it's a lovely it's a lovely piece actually, and um, and there's a great picture of him there in his Ferrari um, on, on on the turn page as well. I, um, I tell us about the lunch. Um, I've, I've known Stefan for a, a fair few years from uh, from covering British GT and following various SRO championships around. So I knew a fair few of the stories, as, as did a lot of people. But actually, when 
sitting down and going through his career kind of part by part, essentially getting him to spill his life story. There's bits in here that I've never seen anywhere else at all. And some of the stories are absolutely brilliant. I didn't realise about kind of his forays into fashion and how he, he made his name and then lost it all again. And he's just he's just full of great little anecdotes. A lot of people see him as a as a kind of playboy figure. Um, and I guess that goes hand in hand when you're, you're selling things to Bentley and Ford and Ferrari and bits like that. But the, the simple fact is, without him and without his story, we wouldn't have top flight GT or, or probably sports car racing in Absolutely. the in the capacity Absolutely. we've got. So I think he's, he's probably actually one of the, the modern sports kind of unsung heroes. <laughs> he does tend to be very modest about himself, in parts. Well, you say you say you say that he gives that impression of being a play, playboy. But one of my favourite stories in this piece is that he bought this Ferrari <laughs> off his girlfriend's dad. And that gives you kind of a... What teenager <laughs> wouldn't? <laughs> you say he's not a playboy, and there he is in a 275 G- GT Ferrari, and at, what, 17, 18, or whatever it is. I think my, my, my favourite is, um, if you're reading reading lunch with, is his early forays into in America, when he barely spoke any English, are particularly amusing, I think. He's, he's full of a great story, honestly. But we, we tip our hat to him, don't we, because he's a, he's a good guy, and... Yeah, we thank you for what he's what he's been able to do. Crikey! Yeah, and he's taken Bernie and face Eccleston to face with on. Bernie. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah face to face with Bernie. That's um, yeah, that's a lovely awkward one, which we'll we'll leave as a nice surprise. Yeah, have a yeah, w- buy the magazine and read up what he's done. It's uh, yeah, it's um, uh, the Godfather Bernie in full flow. Right, then we get to our features. Our cover feature, obviously, um, Lewis Hamilton. Damon, first of all, do you want to just talk us through the um, uh, slightly unusual image we've got to open? Uh, to open up with unwrapping Lewis Hamilton. Yes. Well, we 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 came up with an idea in the office that we would be able to um, talk talk to people about Lewis and his life and who he was, and came up with the concept of unwrapping his life. Um, and then we went to the literal thing of what happens if we actually literally unwrapped him. Uh, so we couldn't unwrap him, and we couldn't unwrap anything else. So we settled for a helmet, uh, which we thought would be a nice, easy thing to get hold of. We thought, brilliant, we'll get a Lewis, Lewis Hamilton helmet. We'll, we'll wrap it in paper, tear it open, all that kind of stuff. How hard can it be? As it turns out, <laughs> really, 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 really hard. How hard was it? Um, <laughs> well, we had to buy the paper for a start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, the, uh, the I wonder what that was on the expenses <laughs> claim. Yeah. Art shop, that was what it said. Um, it, weirdly, uh, yeah, he um, uh, he. The the kind of interesting thing about uh, Crash Hamilton, I don't want to give it all away because that's what you've got to read it for. But um, the interesting thing is that the, the the drivers own their helmets and they all have uh, possession of their helmets. Everything else is owned by the teams: uh, boots, uh, overalls, underwear, everything. But apparently, helmets is the only thing that that, that the drivers have. So we had to get special. Uh, permission from Lewis uh, himself through his wonderful uh, team at uh, Mercedes, and we were able to we were able to uh, borrow a helmet for a very 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 short space of time, uh, where we we were able to photograph it and uh, put it on the put it on the, the the sort of table, wrap it all up and tear it off. Uh, they looked a bit nervous when we uh, we got the sort of seller tape out and all the rest of it because they they sort of sort of shrugged and shook their heads a lot when we said can we stick anything to it and they said probably not no so <laughs> and but the interesting was you can't pick the, the, we couldn't pick up the helmet by the chin strap where you normally pick up a crash helmet or well, well I where I would anyway um, because uh, obviously that's where his mouth is and he was kind of um, conscious for other people not to be touching. Sort so of we weren't allowed to put your hand inside at all. That's really. it. No, no, you're not. Allowed to, it was all, all sort of held by the outside of the helmet. So just an, in, an interesting little snapshot into a sort of a modern F1. But uh, 
yeah, I think it worked. It worked out well. We we have we have got an original crash helmet as written as 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 uh, worn by Lewis Hamilton to his fifth world championship. So it is a real one, and it's it's Lewis's own personal possession. Well, I think it, I think it looks 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 brilliant on page. And uh, Simon Mark has done a, a cracking job on sort of well unwrapping Lewis. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, he's obviously Mark's been covering Formula One since long before Lewis Hamilton was racing cars, actually. Um, but he's been there throughout the duration of Lewis's Formula One career. He's spoken to an awful lot of people who've worked with Lewis at all levels, Formula One engineers, karting mechanics, Formula Renault engineers. I mean, he's, he's got through a really good wide range of people who tell the story of you know what Lewis... Not we all see the television images now, the TV interviews now, um, but there's also a, a very engaging snapshot of what he was like when he was, you know, a twenty-something rapscallion charging around yes. in Formula Renault. Yes. And I think those are the stories that you don't see so often. And um, I think yeah, Mark's done a great job of piecing it all together. Yeah, I completely agree. And he's he's spoken to so many different people, hasn't he? That um, who obviously know Lewis and have, have a kind of a, uh, a different perspective, and as you say, a perspective that changes as the, as, uh, you know, as the years go by. Um, uh, and in fact, actually, that one of my favourite bits here is the the early signs of success, which is um, which is a piece that you wrote, um, looking at some little snapshots from his career from '98 to date, almost. Um, and highlight uh, uh, the sort of where people first started realizing something might be a bit special about him. Yeah, I mean, I have to be honest. Uh, there's a couple of those races I got the information from Mark because he'd spoken to people who'd been been attending those. Uh, two or three of them, yes, I was there. Mm. Um, I witnessed, but um, they're just they're just interesting. I mean, as Damon said earlier, he's an incredibly divisive figure. But however you dress it up in long after we're all dead and buried. You know, people will look back in the same way as they do on Fangio now or, you know, Nivellari, and they will, you know, he will be regarded as one of the all-time great racing drivers. He yeah. just will. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I completely agree, and, and I think, and, and also what's fascinating and, and one of the reasons for the, for the cover line, Racing Rebel, is that he's sort of done it on his own terms, and I know people will argue about you know his his sort of his his route to the top, but I mean I think he's proved that he does things in his way, um, and that isn't necessarily going with the grain of what's expected of a, of a Formula One driver. So um, no, I think it's I think it's a, it's a it's a lovely piece, and it's um, um, uh, and it, it's pretty um, comprehensive. Um, I th I'd go as far as to say it was the the definitive piece uh, on Lewis, and you get to know him. I think, and this maybe speaks volumes. You get to know him after reading this far more than you do from reading an interview with him um, because you're getting a kind of how others see him which kind of paints a more more intricate picture I think um, uh, let's move on oh Rob no before we do Rob my brother Lewis you managed to track down Nick who I know that you've 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 um, you've worked with before um, and interviewed him about uh, about Lewis he uh, remembered you, didn't he? He, he did, yes. From uh, from the, the, the early Clio Cup days, back when I was a, a, a Toka a Sports reporter. Um, I've got a lot of admiration for Nick. Um, I think I think what he actually does is is brilliant because he's very, very, very keen to point out that he does his racing on his own terms. So uh, any kind of interview with him had to also look at look at what he does. But it's lovely to see the way that Lewis has always kind of held him up as as a role model to him. Um, and I think I think Nick's Nick's quite 
Nick's quite shy on admitting anything like that, but Lewis has gone on record many times and said, oh, you know, if you want an inspiration, look at my brother, despite the fact he's the one in Formula One, he's the one mostly in the public eye. Um, but just speaking to Nick gives a really nice insight on kind of fa family life, how much time they actually get to spend together. And um, it was nice to nice to learn that they actually spent Christmas together for the first time in a few years, because you will take it for granted that the, yeah. the track action stops and everyone goes back to their family. But when you're, a, when you're an international megastar, um, things tend to work out a little differently, I guess, yeah. in the holiday season. Well, I wonder what you get as a present from a from a world champion Formula <laughs> One driver. Rob, you're going to have to ask him, aren't you? I'll, I'll call him up again. The signed petrol pump, I'd imagine. Uh, let's move on. We've got um, so from uh, from sort of contemporary Formula One, we go back to 1950s American NASCAR racing uh, on Daytona Beach. It was uh, the reason for this feature. It's a beautiful feature, actually, um, illustrated with fantastic pictures from 58 and 59. Of and and Samarth, uh, our staff writer here, has tracked down Herschel McGriff. It was the, uh, as far as we can make out, the last man to race on Daytona Beach, um, and the before before they built the speedway. The reason for this um, feature was that it is um, exactly 60 years since um, since they stopped racing on the beach, and so we thought it'd be a, an opportune time to celebrate it. Simon, it kind of takes you, transports you back, doesn't it, to a, a, a different different era? Well, I mean, it's even before I was born. Um, just. And yeah, I mean, I think uh, Samarth, and I'm not just saying that because he's sitting here at the sound desk, has done a cracking job. An uh, American contributor, colleague of ours, John Oriovich, put us on the track of Herschel McGriff, said he was the guy to try and get hold of. And um, Sam and I did a bit of research online, and Sam was the one who pinned him down and found him incredibly quickly and got hold of him on the phone within about 48 hours. And some of the stories from a complete... I mean, it is the same sport, but it's not. And... I just think the pictures are absolutely wonderful and the words are a fantastic compliment. Absolutely. I think it's um, it's, it's just some of the colour pictures are just straight out of happy days, aren't they? And you so rarely see 50s, 50s motor racing colour as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's a relative scarcity. So you get the occasional one every now and then, but to get a, a whole set mm. like we sort of managed to find for this is uh, yeah, quite a challenge. Let's uh, scamper on. Where are we now? From oh, so so from from history, we go right up to um, Formula E. Um, Dickie Meaden has tested the uh, latest generation Formula E car, and he, he drove it alongside the first generation car, uh, and he found himself to be a bit of a convert. I mean, as anyone who knows Dickie knows, he loves his historic racing, um, but he, he found himself quite enjoying driving these um, uh, these futuristic race cars. Um, and the, the the pictures are phenomenal, aren't they, uh, Damon? We sent Lyndon, our, our photographer, out. Um, where was it? Was it Spain that they went? Oh, Mallorca. Mallorca. Yes. Lovely images. And it looks good, doesn't it, this new, uh, the new Formula E car? It does. I mean, everybody seems to be uh, very positive towards it. Um, I know, it, again, it's uh, much much like a lot of these things in most sport these days. Yeah, it does does divide opinion. But this is, uh, this is uh, whoever's seen, whoever, whoever's watched the first one of the first few races has, will realise that these things, these things are racing cars. These are proper racing cars. They may not make a noise, but that's, other than that, everything else, it's pretty amazing. I'm a, I'm a convert too. I've, I've been banging on about this in the office, I know, and I've been boring people in the office. I, about, I, I about beg to differ, actually, because they, they do make a noise when they bounce off each other and hit concrete <laughs> walls, which has been <laughs> happening quite a lot of late. Yes, yeah. that's a fair point, yes. Yeah. What was the bit that you particularly liked, though? The, uh, oh, the, uh, the attack mode. The attack yeah. mode. That, that, well, that was, for me, that was great, because it was four minutes. Every, every car got uh, four minutes uh, twice a race to um, have another 
I think it was 50 horsepower, 60 horsepower, can't quite remember. Um, but what it did do is it because you have four minutes, you have two or three laps of uh, extra extra power. So it means if you can sort of get the get the job done early, great. But if you don't, you can sort of build up a lap, you can sort of set your opponent up for an overtake, or you can put a distance between you and the guy behind you. So it's a great bit of strategy. It wasn't as instant as, say, the fan boost, where it gives you it for a 10-second burst. So you, it's an all or nothing, which usually ended up with a nothing because you'd put all your eggs in that one basket and then if you got covered off uh, by the by, by the guy sort of um, breaking early or moving over on the circuit you, that your fan boost is gone but whereas this having a four minute blast gives you op an opportunity to sort of n not not do it that time but then kind of set up for another overtake or um, and it actually is part of the strategy as well so um, it's a much more exciting and uh, non-artificial way of doing it it's, it's it's also yeah i mean it's it's DRS is something of a, a one-trick yeah. strategy. Um, we've seen it, it it works sometimes, but it, it's not really yeah. pure. Whereas this, there's a little bit more, there's a little bit more thought involved, absolutely. A, a bit more planning, and it puts it, it puts uh, the control back with the driver as uh, well. Absolutely, and, and it does, and it does give them, as you say, give them two, gives them two or three laps in which they can actually use that extra energy mm. to plan and plan manoeuvres. And it, it's not all just about dropping a wing flap and mm. zipping past on the straight. So I think if anybody's not seen. Formula E race from this year, then I would strongly recommend giving it a whirl because it is very different to last year's, um, uh, much for the better. Yeah, uh, as Dickie has pointed out, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's 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 a, it's, a, it's a really nice piece as you'd expect from Dickie. Um, right, moving moving swiftly on, we've got a um, a rally piece, Rob. I think you worked on this, didn't you? This was uh, the sort of suddenly we couldn't believe it. We're looking at sort of the the, the World Rally Championship and and um, with uh, Sebastian Loeb coming back. Um, uh, and the just a general, <laughs> and there's just a bit, of a, a bit of a buzz about it, wasn't there? We were thinking, well, hang on a second, maybe this is part. It's, it's about time for rally to come back into into, into the kind of into the, to the fore, isn't it? I've got I've got to be honest. I I finished going through this feature and immediately put the WRC seven game on the on the office <laughs> PlayStation. Um, I'm quite fevered up by rallying at the moment. Um, <laughs> I've, I've done a fair bit of ra rallying, subbing and journalism um, in, in my career beforehand. Um, but this, this year, the WRC just holds a lot of intrigue, I think, for me. Uh, you've got Ogier back at Citroën. Citroën's had all of the problems <laughs> since it came back from the WRC. I think it was maybe yeah. expecting... What does he do? What does he do in the first race? <laughs> it, yeah, exa yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I think he, he just showed once again that he is the benchmark, um, regardless of what of what car he's in. Um, but I think this, this year, he's moved to arguably a weaker team or at least a, a team that's rebuilding. Um, can he keep it up, keep the fight up against Thierry Nerville and, uh, and Hyundai? I mean, we will see, but certainly I think, I know he's only back for one round, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Grenard win a car. And for, for anyone that's not quite sure or hasn't kept up with, with the WRC, um, if if you want to know a bit more about Marcus Gronholm, just put his name into YouTube and check some of his post-stage interviews and you'll see quite why we're looking forward to seeing him so much back in the sport, I think. <laughs> I remember uh, I remember last year actually he was he was he he came out to do a quick talk. I was at the Thousand Lakes rally in Finland and he he came to talk to some of the journalists and one of the questions was because he was so passionate still about the sport and the question you know would you ever consider coming back? And he kind of bashfully kind of ducked the question. Now we know why. As far as I'm aware, it's a late birthday present from Tommy <laughs> Mackinnon, which will be great. Um, but I think the, the Monty showed us that we've got a lot to look forward to in yeah, WRC absolutely. this year. Absolutely. 
Um, right, we're being waved at. We're sort of um, um, nudging up against our, our time limit. Um, let's keep going. Um, we've got a piece looking at Race Retro, which um, if you haven't bought tickets yet, please do. Um, Race Retro, uh, powered by Motorsport, um, uh, taking place at uh, Stonely Park near Coventry. Um, what are the dates? From the 22nd to the 24th of February. Um, we'll be there on the live stage um, uh, with special guests. Um, uh, uh, conducting interviews. There'll be lots of amazing cars, there'll be lots of amazing people, come and visit us. Come and there's a live rally stage. Yes, and, uh, and, uh, yes. and don't forget, <laughs> you can get yourself in on the action as well by winning a Group B ride. Yes. God, yes. Check us out. It's like a professional Absolutely. <laughs> we have, we have <laughs> spoken know. about promotion before. That, that all came together. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, back to uh, back to the magazine. Ayrton Senna and Dennis Jenkinson, um, a kind of dream team for, 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 for many motorsport readers. Um, and um, and Alan Henry, uh, Simon, talk us through this, this fantastic feature. Yeah, uh, basically, um, Alan, Alan was a... Um, a great friend of mine, he mentored me when I was a cub reporter. He treated everyone as equals. He was a lovely bloke. It didn't matter whether you were 93 or 23. He just embraced you as a mate, and he was a great, great guy. And not so long ago, Alan, of course, passed away in 2016, sadly, after a long illness. And his son, Nick, contacted me out of the blue a while ago and said, been going through Dad's belongings, I found a box of tapes, several boxes of tapes, actually, um, would motorsport like to do something with them? So we've we've got a I've got about fifteen at the moment. There are more if we want them. Um, and they just very simply said, you know, take them, do do with them as you will. So uh, our sound engineer friend Alan Hyde digitised them. I've been going through them, transcribing them, and we're just presenting them as a series of conversations, of which this is the first. Um, and obviously, when you look at the labels, I mean, there's some interesting ones. I found one that said Alan Prost and started listening, and there's no Alan Prost on it at all. <laughs> but the one that said Senna and Jenks was absolutely rammed with Senna and Jenks. So it seemed like an, an obvious place to start. And although you know, this this feature did appear 30 odd years ago in Auto Course, I think you know three decades have passed, and revisiting it, um, and as a tribute to Alan and the great work he did as well, it's, I'm you know I'm very proud that we're able to perpetuate his memory. I think the beautiful thing about those features is it throws you right into the moment that interview was happening there's there's no it, it's all essentially raw audio so it, 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 yeah. it flows as a conversation so it's which you it can actually listen to on the website you can actually yeah. listen to the yeah. physically listen to the talks we've digitized some of the um some of the uh, uh sort of uh, tapes only only one or two so far because they take a while but uh, you're gonna say sound files then yeah <laughs> i couldn't quite remember. is it wav files or what they are? <laughs> but, um, but the other thing the other thing that struck me about this and in some ways it was a pain in the backside because i hate transcribing and i ended up having to transcribe about an hour and 25 minutes, an hour and a half of the conversation between the three of them. But this is Ayrton Senna having a 90-minute conversation with two journalists during a Grand Prix weekend. I mean, nowadays, you, you don't get nine minutes. Um, it, you know, the, the whole culture of press driver interaction has changed yeah we do we, if we imagine if we'd have asked uh mercedes for uh for 90 minutes with lewis at, uh, on, on thursday at spa on the, on the, yeah. yeah no yeah, no the, the answer is no be. no absolutely 
It's a, it's a great piece. Right. Um, the Doctor's Empire. Um, very briefly, Damon. Um, yes. Matt Oxley. He gained sort of went to, to access Ulia. into uh, Valentino Rossi's kind of ranch, didn't he? He did. He went to go and visit Valentino on his home ground, on his home patch, uh, to go and w- witness the, uh, the, 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 the event that they have every year, which Rossi uh, puts on and then sort of rather rudely wins every year as well. He kind of keeps, uh, keeps inviting all the kids to come and beat him and then sort of beats the kids. So, uh, what a what a what a guy! What an incredible guy! But um, uh, the the interesting thing about this particular feature is that obviously he's gone to or Matt has gone to to Vulia where the whole town is it's, it's Rossi town. It's, it's everything about it is geared up towards the the the. the the culture of Valentino and the myth and everything to do with Valentino. So if you're a big Valentino Rossi fan, you, you've, you, if you've not been to Savulia, you've got to go. It's the most amazing place. Just don't go over 46 kilometres an hour. Right, what else have we got? We've got Master Craftsman. Um, we've got uh, Speed Shop, which is a, a new look speed shop. Um, to my mind, looks um, looks a bit classier. Um, some lovely, lovely pictures um, uh, from, from the auctions. Um, Max Gerardo uh, still giving his take on the auction world. Uh, we've got some buyer's guides here, which are quite good. If you're in the market for a McLaren M23... Um, when am I not in the market for a <laughs> McLaren M23? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we had some we had some trouble finding out um, uh, an estimated price. Um, you have to read the magazine to find out what it is, but it's, um, it's, it's slightly higher than you might think. Um, uh, we've also found um, one that's actually for sale at the moment, one that's in the workshop we've got a, a road car buyer's guide uh, the road car by popular demand was the um nissan r32 the skyline which um uh, damon i think was I'm particularly pleased I'm to get into I'm the magazine i'm thrilled that, that my time here has finally finally accumulated <laughs> in the fact that there's a skyline in my in motorsport magazine um and, uh, and that brings us brings us down to the end i mean amongst all the redesign i have to stress that it, it, it's still very much motorsport um there's still the, the old favorites um we've got the uh, you were there uh, at the back um and we finish on on parting shot um so although there are some new features and uh, the the typeface certainly is, is a bit different and the running order is slightly different i hope and i think we all hope and, and um, we're very pleased that that actually the, the kind of spirit of motorsport still runs through the whole magazine um i hope you enjoy uh, reading it and uh, we will uh, speak to you again this time next month um for our april issue preview podcast